Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and welcome to another edition of All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at some of the playoff permutations and some of the changes we've had since uh, we last spoke about them. We're going to have a chat about Chip Kelly being out, what's next for him and for Philly, and also have a look at the Peyton Manning HGH allegations that have been coming out over the last week or so. Then obviously we'll look at some of the games from last week, take some questions from you, the listener, and then look at our picks for next week. So hey guys, how are you getting on? We've got Connor here, I've got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan again. Hello. Ronan, you spent an awful lot of time in Dublin for someone who lives in Cork. Yeah, well, you know, it's the holiday season for avoiding... Mm. <laughs> avoiding go, go fun places, so not Cork. Yeah, basically. <laughs> very good, very good. How do we all get on? We have a fun Christmas. Yeah, it was grand. Uh, saw the family, you know, and a week is about good enough, you know. Yeah. Filling that quota, <laughs> and then, you know, not go back there for six months. Cloudy. Harry, you're a Jew. How did it feel to not get presents? Uh, same as every year, pretty much. You know, <laughs> it I don't have to buy people presents, so I sort of break even at the end of it anyway. No, because then everyone else is like, you, they still think you're a bit of a dick for not getting them presents. <laughs> yeah, but they say I'm a dick, and I'm just like, you're an anti-Semite, so ah, problem solved. Suppose it's a, it's a bit you're, of an arms race there. <laughs> Give me a gift. You're a racist. <laughs> you can't, can't lose. <laughs> give me, give me the, the the gift of acceptance. Thanks. <laughs> that's 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 really sweet, guys. That's really oh, sweet. Oh god. Yeah, no. Similar enough. Went up to Donegal. It was good fun to catch up with all the guys. Hello to all you guys who sent me very, really, really random questions during like pissed up nights out about the NFL, which didn't make very much sense. And I'm not gonna lie, most didn't make the cut. But yeah, no, it was good fun. Good fun to catch up with a lot of people. Uh, went surfing on uh, the day after Boxing Day, or as we'd like to say, the day after Stevens Day. It was that was fun, if slightly worrying initially. <laughs> Going out just as Storm Frank was landing into Ireland, going like, ah, sure, surfing, that seems like a good plan. <laughs> Made it back in one piece, sure. Yeah, on the plus side, I did not die. So I suppose we'll crack in some of the news. So our first section we're going to look at now is the changes to the playoffs uh, and where we're sat on all these. So I think Fitz did a bit of work and you did a bit of work on what are possible permutations uh, going forward. So at the moment we've got... Carolina losing a game, and obviously that puts it at risk for them to be the first seed. So if they win their next game against Tampa Bay, I believe they lock it down. We've got a number of other styles of change. So we've got the NFC North excitingly now being played for the division title. There's an interesting element to this one that I heard, that basically there's a vested interest in losing this game. Because the team that wins will win the division and have to play the Seahawks. And the team that loses will be fifth seed and have to play the Washington Pale Faces. And so a lot of people are discussing that they should have a scenario where they run the Carolina and the Arizona game at the same time as they play the Minneapolis or Minnesota Green Bay game. So that people don't know what they're going for in that seeding position. Yeah, of course. But obviously the reason that those are in that order is due to geography. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of hard to argue with geography. <laughs> like That's basically why you have that split between early afternoon and late afternoon games. Uh, but yeah, like you have Carolina's loss, which we'll talk about more later, obviously sets up an interesting final week for Arizona. For Arizona versus the Seahawks, which could have been a dead rubber game or pretty close to it. But obviously that game could still technically be a dead rubber because their game comes after... The Carolina game's over, but Arians is saying he's going to play his starters. They're going to play their starters anyway because he doesn't want to get rusty, effectively. Mm. But yeah, like basically, there's that sense that no one really wants to play the Seahawks, so there could be a sense of strategy. But you you would have to imagine that these are two team, two division rivals. 
who obviously the Minnesota Vikings will be well up for trying to take down Green Bay. I believe one of their players came out a, a week ago or so and said, like, I'm sick of seeing Green Bay win the division. I don't, I, I don't think we'll see any uh, shenanigans that way, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the implications of that game will also have knock-on effects on the 5-6 seeding if the Seahawks do manage to beat Arizona. So mm. there's kind of interesting permutations there. Basically, if Minnesota lose and the Seahawks win, then the Seahawks get the 5th seed and play Washington. Otherwise, uh, the Seahawks will be a 6th seed and play whoever loses that game. So it, it's, there's, there's still plenty to play for the NFC, but like it's, it's kind of mostly locked in at this point. It's just kind of marginal advantages and a little bit of strategy mm. there. It's kind of interesting. Uh, but it's probably not the same level as the AFC as we'll talk about later. Yeah, so the, um, the only thing that's locked in the NFC is the uh, is the fourth seat. The Washington Pale Faces are locked <laughs> in place. Uh, so te- theoretically, they could rest starters. So they might put. <laughs> so they'll probably put Colt McCoy in there, or like, it's, it's not unlikely. We're going to chat about this a little bit later on. Yeah, we're exactly. discussing this. I think I think it's time for them to see if they can get any trade value in RG three. Yeah, I think that's just depressing. If you know in the final dead rubber game of the season, they're like, ah, uh, yeah, we're going to give you a chance, a chance to prove your worth to the team. Colt McCoy. <laughs> like, I know they've obviously are incredibly low on RG3 at the moment, but what a slap in the face that would be just to not even let him play in a. What a slap in the face of the opponents that instead of starting a quarterback, you start a safety. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'll look now as well at the, uh, the AFC. So, essentially, the Pats are nearly locked into the number one seed. They have to win against the, the Dolphins, who are essentially not really a football team <laughs> at this point. Uh, so, that should be okay. The Denver game is interesting because if Denver wins it, they can get a first round bye in the scenario. And if they lose it, they can end up down in the wild cards instead, which would be it's just it's just surprising for a one game at that level of them being kind of you know ten eleven wins that a one game swing will be either a first round buy or a no home game for you kind of scenario, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, like there's lots there's lots up in the air in this one. Although I still think the players are essentially where we thought they were a week ago. Uh, it's just the the. The ranking of them now Pittsburgh seem to have put themselves out of this scenario to a large extent. It needs quite a bit, and if nine results go the right way, the Colts can still make the playoffs uh, in the AFC. So I suppose, Harry, what are you looking forward to this week in terms of the playoff picture and figuring that out for the AFC? Yeah, it's, it is a bit messy. Obviously, from a personal perspective, I'm just looking forward to playing the Dolphins because you know going to situation. There's one team in the NFL you need to beat to get that uh, number one number one seed and it's Miami um, <laughs> it, it is interesting though because you know as much as you say oh you know the Steelers they're out of it as much as the Jets have been on fire recently it would still be the most Jets thing in the world to have you know beaten the Patriots and then go straight in and lose to oh, a shit the bizarre to a Buffalo team, team. Right? yeah exactly so there's still, there's still hope there so I think like much like in the NFC as much as the permutations work out we're still going to see people it's still necessary for teams to do that to actually actually make it at this stage mm. in the season particularly in, the, in that wild card and race and how the seeding falls Den- the Denver scenario is probably the most interesting, but again, they've managed to get themselves into a good situation just by dint of having a match up against an awful San Diego yeah. team, which they'll probably have to, let's be honest, despite Denver's sort of inconsistency over the last few weeks, although obviously looking slightly better this week, which will, will with the situation they're in, um, you've, you've got to think they're going to be okay and they're going to be able to make it through that because despite their problems, you know, they should well be able to beat San Diego and they're probably going to have to go out of their way to lose that game. Well, from what we're hearing reports-wise, it looks like Peyton Manning might be back this week. Which would be an interesting, I suppose, a soft landing first game-wise to to come back to. 
gives him a chance of tying up that all-time winningest quarterback uh, statistic. But do we expect much coming out of him? Give this a Chargers team that, yeah, they're crap, but they've looked a little bit more aggressive the last week or two, just trying to, you know, close out well as the San Diego Superchargers leave on a, not a high note, but let's say, like, a medium note. Yeah, there is an element of that, and there's certainly some motivation there, and obviously, you know, rivalry game and all that jazz, but even within that, you've got to think, like, much San Diego might have the motivation to be like, yes, let's finish the season looking at the lower end of mediocre. Denver's, I think, incentive, particularly given Denver's, uh, what Denver's home field is and how well they tend to play at home and the advantages that Mile High's, uh, going back to geography, I suppose, gives uh, the advantage that gives them. They're they're going to really want to win this game as well, so I don't think we're going to see them take it easy. Even though their playoff position is now secure, yeah. and particularly as you said, if the Chiefs win and Denver lose, Denver could find themselves with no home field and falling back into the oh. uh, back into the wild card situation. So they're they're going to want to avoid that. So as much yeah. as San Diego may have some motivation, I think Denver's motivation in this case is definitely greater. And Denver are probably a better team than San Diego. <laughs> I think the record might bear that one I out. Just high school football teams that are better. Than football teams <laughs> San Diego so Pittsburgh chances rest on a Pittsburgh win and a Jets loss. So Pittsburgh, obviously, not the world's most difficult uh, scenario this week. Then again, we didn't think the Ravens was a very difficult scenario. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> the Browns. Very true indeed. Uh, and then the Jets take on Sexy Rexy. You know, he hasn't had a great season so far, but I suppose he does love to play spoiler and make a bit of noise in the uh, news. There's uh, interesting reports about players at the moment uh, not not getting on so well down there in Buffalo and wanting wanting shot of the place. So hopefully now Rexy can pull that back together. Yeah, I think Marcel Darius was the latest one, wasn't he, to start complaining yeah. about uh, Ryan's coaching. So the problem for I gather is that Ryan... As much as he's known for being a coach who has traditionally used a very, very good front seven and heavy mm. pressure schemes, in Buffalo, if you look at their sack statistics and the quarterback pressures and quarterback hits are massively down this season. Yeah. And the players are blaming the defensive scheme for that happening, particularly you're dealing with a team that actually does have very talented, a very talented front seven. Those are the players who are disgruntled as a result of that. Yeah. So that's kind of an issue for, for Rex Ryan. If he's losing the uh, support of the best players in the team, they don't want to play for him simply because he they don't feel he's utilising them correctly. Yeah. It's, a, it's not a great scenario for him there. Obviously, it'd probably be nice if they could finish out the season and uh, kind of stop a stop a division rival from making the playoffs. Uh, I know that feels quite sweet sometimes. <laughs> Fuck you, Chargers. You can't uh, that every time Buffalo had a game that they thought was significant, whether it was against the Patriots or uh, when it was going for those playoffs, they've, they've seemed to have crumpled under the weight of their own pressure, Yeah, uh, which, as we've discussed several times before, seems to be a kind of Rex Ryan problem in the last you know three, four years. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's, not, he's not been able to kind of deal with kind of changes within a game particularly well at all and just seems to be getting consistently exploited in those kind of big scenario games just for posterity's sake I suppose uh, the AFC South Houston win if Houston win this is the scenario that Indianapolis needs Indianapolis need to win Houston need to lose Atlanta need to win over New Orleans Miami need to win over New England <laughs> uh, Denver need to win over San Diego Baltimore need to win over Cincinnati Buffalo need to win over the Jets Oakland need to win over Kansas City and Pittsburgh need to win over Cleveland uh, and this is all specifically so they can get to a tiebreaker scenario where strength of victory I believe not even strength of schedule strength of victory is yeah. the key in this yeah. one so yeah Colts fan you've got there's a reason you've got a less than 1% chance and you know what I would actually be 
genuinely happy if that happened that was how they won because <laughs> it would just be so fitting for the clusterfuck that was the AFC South this year to end in that way it would be and it would yeah. be great because we'd either get to see depending on health situations either Matt Hasselbeck clipboard Jesus or something called a Stephen Morris lead a team in the uh, in the playoffs well the, the three tradition is Josh Freeman so yeah oh my goodness that's from the past oh that would be I don't know if that's even but that might be better oh. actually what is that's quite funny over the, over the Christmas period we got uh, we got a text message sent around from Harry and uh, it was a picture of a potato he was cooking so I believe, believe the term is a Hasselbeck potato yeah. and uh, it was just it's one of those ones that's cut all the way through you see him a lot on ads for butter for some reason and he's like look this is better than Matt Hasselbeck at football I was like what what is this Harry so he said uh, it's a Hasselbeck potato I was like oh that's quite funny <laughs> and uh, said, ah, no, it's not being open up. So then we just got a picture of Harry assaulting it with a fork. It's going, this is more like Matt Hasselbeck <laughs> now, just completely concussing a potato. And the, the fork was playing the role of Jadavian Clown. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a strange period over the Christmas, I'm not going to lie. Um, might, might have had a few Matt, too many gins. Like, <laughs> every time Matt is sacked, it looks like he's having a heart attack. It's yeah. a, Something get out there, please. <laughs> genuinely. I remember I was watching it out there. I was just like, that was that was horrible looking. Like they need, to, they need to stop playing him before he is actually broken. So we were talking about Rex Ryan not getting on so well. Here's a here's a coach who doesn't get on very well at all. Chip Kelly has been removed from the Eagles. They didn't even keep him for the last fucking game. Like Jesus Christ, they wanted shot of him. Um, so we were saying this is a likely thing for a while. Harry, you're very vocal in the fact that you hate Chip Kelly. <laughs> what do you make of this? Why do you think they uh, they did? him so early I don't hate Chip Kelly I just think he's gets a lot of undeserved praise so I swung in the other direction before it was trendy to do so and now I'm feeling pretty vindicated ah uh, so you wanted to be a hipster no I just to do it before it was trendy I just wanted smug college football fans to shut the hell up he's <laughs> <laughs> like, sick of talking to Richard about him maybe <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's very very rare for a coach to be sacked with one game left and that is a very clear message from the team of uh, we no longer not even have any faith. We, we, it's disrespect, and it's a disrespect that Chip Kelly has, for better or for worse, the field t- team has felt he has earned to be dismissed with one game to go in a completely meaningless game. Now, admittedly, there is also the aspect of, well, he was fired after blowing the final chance to make the playoffs. Philadelphia is all about getting to the playoffs, and that was their goal this season. They failed in that. He's gone. So it's sort of understandable from that way. But this is Chip was just hoisted by his own petard. He just took more and more control and more and more power and the owner just gave it to him. And now Pigeons came home to roost. Kelly couldn't handle all of that. And at that point, you have no fall guy. There's nobody else you can blame for the scenario you've put yourself in. When you take over as many aspects of the team as you can and you fail, it's on nobody's head but your own. And that was a risk Chip Kelly took. And he believed in his system and he believed in himself. And he was wrong. And if you look at the um, Eagles since he took over, it was a case of... If you look at you know, their statistics or how they performed or just their results in general, you can see there is a decline in their efficiency in almost every single aspect of the game from when Chip Kelly took over to now the point where he's fired a couple of seasons later. When you bring that much on yourself and when you hinge, hinge so much of that and what you do on your system, so it's not like you're taking all this control for yourself and a guy like Bill Belichick has done to an extent. Like, well, okay, but Bill Belichick is known for his ability to adapt to situations, his ability to... And to cheat. Well, yes, yes, that, that <laughs> look, allegedly. Um, no, no this got, time. At least two where it's like, yeah, they definitely two. did. Well, they got the, the, the filming stuff. Spygate, that's yeah. one. And then he was involved in this one as well. Uh, he wasn't, actually. He was, wasn't, he was completely exonerated personally by the mm-hmm. uh, report. Then, then nobody got punished for it anyway, so... You know what? We'll, we'll take it. He hired but, uh, the ball boys. 
Come back to chip, obviously. <laughs> he had two winning seasons, two quite successful seasons there, and then obviously this year he didn't make the make the playoffs. There's obviously the issue of he's taken over and essentially just gone, oh man, I hate having players on a roster. Let's cut the, all the good players off our roster. Uh, let's let ones go to free agency. Let's lose ones. Let's trade for people. Things like that. I heard an interesting theory about why he was fired as well. I'd like to know what you what you make of this uh, fits as well. That they wanted to hold on to him as a coach, but they wanted to take all the GM power and stuff off him, the player personnel decision stuff off him. You can't... There's only been one scenario in the history of the NFL where a coach has held that and it's been taken off them and they've been kept off as coach. I've heard that they were very much of let him have another year or so but don't give him control over those player decisions anymore. Take that back in the hands of someone who we trust more. And he said, look, if you're going to, if you're not going to trust me that far, then just fire me. Uh, and also then the whole the whole secret backstory of now he wants to go and coach the Tennessee Titans <laughs> so he can have Marcus Mariota eventually. What do you make of this, Fitz? Do you think it was they would have wouldn't have minded holding on to a coach, but his over control of the team was what they wanted to get rid of him, or was it just a wholesale? We had two good years, but now we're sick of what you did this year. Yeah, like I think uh, there's a number of factors. But I think like that unorthodox type of uh, front office situation because he brought in like I think it's like a senior vice president for personnel. He brought in basically his own guy to executive uh, senior vice president. <laughs> <laughs> but he brought in his own guy to kind of be his like like oh he'll be my guy. And then obviously the previous GM Roseman was just shunted off into basically cap management. And that's just a highly unorthodox way of running a football uh, club these days. Basically, he, he he asked for this power, he got this power, and then he made a series of moves which have not worked out in the most spectacular fashion. You signed DeMarco Murray, and you turned him from the best rusher in the league to someone getting One dropped. the worst. Yeah, getting dropped in the last couple of games uh, for Darren Sproles. And Ryan Matthews, who's actually okay, but very injured from. You bring in Sab Bradford, and he's a complete bust as well. And considering that there was plenty of rumours that they were offering him a pretty sizable extension before the season... Uh, doesn't really bode well for the I did, I, did, I did love that they're like you know yeah we'll give you a three year extension paying you like whatever like 16 million or 17 million a year and he's like no man I think I can play myself to a bigger contract no you can't you're a moron <laughs> At least he's lucky enough that he actually survived the season yeah. and then just all the other ones like the Kiko Alonso trade uh, sending Shady off uh, hasn't really worked out but that's mainly due to injury like the thing is like the team that he's built and there's, the one place he has improved is the defence this year uh, perhaps because the, uh, he hasn't quite... He's adapted the offence a little bit from its ridiculous, like, no huddle, let's go all the time, so it actually gives the defence some room to breathe. I think it might possibly be that he over-focuses on the offence so he doesn't have time to ruin their defence. <laughs> I, I actually just regret their defence has been absolutely shocking this season. But I think that's been one of the weakest aspects of the team. It's been, it's been better than it was the years beforehand, but, like, that's not saying much. Like, I'm they sure were, it has they been. Were, like, proper bottom of the league stuff beforehand it was that it was the thing of they were just not stopping anything whereas now they stopped maybe one in eight drives which is an improvement <laughs> but like the biggest debt now what's called losing the locker room and when we got the story coming out in the, the press of DeMarco Murray personally going to the owner and saying Chip has lost the locker room then uh, that pretty much is the final nail in the coffin like maybe they could have kept him uh, on as a head coach uh, if he had like took away all this kind of personnel decision power. But even even in that case, I'd say they like that was primarily probably just to... It's like there's probably not a better option out there. Yeah, so what's next then? I suppose one for Chip Kelly, does he... Because I think most of the college positions are full now at the moment. There's like two crappy colleges left or something. Uh, I don't watch much college football. That was actually just... I heard someone chatting about it. I was like, oh, okay, so these two colleges are not good at football. Where do you think he lands? 
well, obviously, I think the rumours are currently Tennessee. I think he probably should go back to college. <laughs> it's a bit like, look, you go to college and you don't need to worry about having skilled players or taking a, or running a defence, but that's not an option at the moment, as you say. So, like, Tennessee is the one that everyone is talking about because, you know, again, he can be reunited with his old college quarterback and try and institute a college-style system. And his old college sweetheart. That's exactly it. Well, that's what he tried with Kiko Alonso, and that didn't really work out. But uh, I suppose it's like, well, look, these guys run a bit of read option. They do a bit of spread offense. Okay, can fit in and adapt there. Now, yeah, so the position is going to be vacant. They really do a huge amount but worse in terms of player personnel than Tennessee normally do now. That is also true. Yeah, that is ripped well, up from the foundations, and like Tennessee will probably accept it because there's yeah, that much foundation. Yeah, the, but the problem is, of course, <laughs> he could definitely always make it worse. Um, so I don't know if Tennessee will, particularly what will happen in Philadelphia, it seems if another team will be willing to actually give him all of those powers that he wants. And even if it is a team like Tennessee that has perhaps made not great personnel decisions over the last little while, or over the last forever, um, if we're being honest, yeah. uh, since since they were the Oilers, really, there's no... Like, it'll be interesting to see um, whether or not he's willing to accept that, or if he's going to hold out and be like, no, I just want a team that's going to be desperate enough to let me do this. Tennessee does seem the most likely, uh, the most likely landing spot for him at this point, though, and it's difficult to see teams that aren't desperate for a big big change to take a gamble on him unless like and I mean even if you're looking at a situation where there's a team that you know uh, say say for example uh, the only other team I could think of that would be desperate enough to take him on is a team like Cleveland will probably end up parting ways with Mike Pettin at the end of the season I could see again you've got a young quarterback who's good in a college style system and struggles in a pro system bring in Chip Kelly see what he can do and again, RGM has been not great. So yeah. those are the two potential landing spots, but Tennessee does seem the most probable if there is one at all. I suppose we'll talk more about this element of it come uh, come Black uh, Black Monday. When we look at Philly, um, where we think they're going to go next, Like, are we looking at, probably looking at some of these top... We, we discussed before the top coaching prospects we thought within the league. We're looking at that. Are we looking at them like putting a toe back in the college to see about taking someone from there as a fresh one or are they going to kill with experienced hire I think the problem is that they, they don't know themselves I think they've just made this decision kind of out of like uh, desperation and I like I don't think they've put a lot of thought into where they're going next now obviously firing Chip Early does give them a head start in terms of getting in contact with people sounding them out but it's kind of it's kind of like this is one of those like high pressure uh, environments in Philly they have uh, quite intense fans uh, <laughs> by all accounts yeah. Uh, so, like, it's not quite New York levels of scrutiny, but it's certainly getting up there. So, like, a lot of those themes end up going for people who are a bit more calm uh, and maybe not as personality-driven as uh, as the Chip Kellys of the world. Yeah. Like, like it's for these type of teams, you probably end up wanting someone more like uh, Todd Bowles or even... Uh, uh, even like the head coach what's the head coach of Dallas Cowboys oh. Jason Garrett yeah, yeah. Garrett. he's like the, he's not he's not particularly good but he's quiet he gets his job done but he, he's done an okay job uh, how much that's due to his head coaching but like he's, he's not going anywhere yeah though. he's like he's, he's just a dependable player who kind of deals with the fact that this is a team uh, which is in a high intensity uh, market They'll probably try and go for someone less egotistical than Chip because the usual way people do things is no. go for the opposite of what you had previously. No, of course. So of course. Just a nice, good caretaker, someone quiet. We'll chat about more about that next week after we can hear because it's going to be basically a, th- a two or three day period where they <laughs> everywhere just decides to fire whatever coaches they don't want anymore. I think so. one thing we say for sure is they're probably their interim coach, uh, Pat Shermer, whose previous oh. head coaching position was a disastrous tenure in Cleveland, is probably not going to be kept on no matter how well the final week goes. No, of course. Uh, did you imagine that's your that's your essentially your your minimal job interview? It's just like you get one week with this roster to play in a meaningless game. 
you know, impress us. And then final news section, we're going to have a quick chat about uh, <laughs> Harry lead ahead in this one, seeing as he, uh, he liked it so much, he laid out all of our news stories and every pick for every game this week initially. Peyton Manning's been attached to a HGH uh, doping scandal by an investigative report by Al Jazeera. There's some questions over the sources of this, but they seem to have relatively solid enough. They're still standing by the story uh, and things like that. Peyton says this is ridiculous. He's also hired like a previous White House like PR Harry Fleischer yeah yeah to uh, to try and deal with the PR from this so I suppose the question that must be asked is HGH the reason he has a massive forehead probably <laughs> you don't get that naturally like um, I don't know if that means Peyton was necessarily just injecting it into his forehead didn't have nothing to do with his football skills he just wanted to see how uh, how big he could get his forehead no yeah, it's a confusing one. Like when the story broke, it was like this is hilarious, and then once the media has come out, it was like okay, this is probably going to go nowhere uh, for a variety of reasons. It has been interesting to see the community really close ranks on this one, uh, particularly online. Now there does appear to be, and I'm not even joking. If you read the comment section on NFL.com, there does appear to be some confusion between Al Jazeera and Al Qaeda. I'm not making that up. Like <laughs> it's a bit worrying. They're not the same. Yeah, this is, I think, from the perspective of deflecting the criticisms within the uh, sort of context of American sports, you couldn't have picked a better source to have these allegations come from. Now, of course, the initial sources recanted, but then again, the initial statement was made in a hidden camera, and now it's like, oh, you're facing a huge amount of public pressure, so what do you do? But the fact that it's Peyton Manning has led to that closing of ranks has been like, well, look, if Peyton Manning were to have been found to do this, that would be a Lance Armstrong moment for football. Like, that would be, that would call so much of everything into question when you've got the guy who holds all the records do it. So it's not surprising to see that, but it is, uh, it has certainly been impressive in its speed and, and viciousness, I suppose, to tear down the source. Now, the story itself that uh, Peyton Manning's wife received shipments of HGH is not really in dispute at this point. Like, that hasn't actually been disputed by Manning or by anyone on his team because it's it appears to be fundamentally true. The question then is, were those, I think, a fertility treatment or were they a cover for something more sinister? Now, this was obviously in 2011 when Peyton was recovering from his neck surgery and all that jazz, so that sort of adds something to the story. He's now grown several different spines that he can replace his <laughs> spine with. Yeah, well, my personal theory on this, and this isn't a... Yes, this, this I was going to say, tell us this, because I very quite like this theory. Alleged theory, but this is my this is my tinfoil hat moment. But I think it makes sense, and I originally made this as a joke, but then I, I can sort of convince myself. The league only started testing for HGH uh, in 2014. To be honest, given that professional athletes do whatever they can, and understandably so, given the way the incentives are stacked to gain a competitive advantage, if you weren't doing HGH prior to testing... What were you doing? Like, I genuinely think that that use was probably quite widespread. But as it would be, particularly for players who were injured as an injury, because, you know, obviously you don't want to be taking HGH in the regular because it will actually mess up your muscle balance and everything for particular positions in football. That's not particularly what you want because you don't want to end up moving like Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, actual Sylvester Stallone as opposed to Rocky Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I think there was usage was probably fairly widespread. What we have is a scenario where players would have probably stopped taking it once the rule came in if they were, if they were taking it beforehand because it's actually one of the things that's not that difficult to test for and it's quite you know it's one of the things we know what it is it's one of those drugs that can very easily be tested for so my theory is that Peyton took it during his 
recovery to get over his neck injury, come back and have a storming season. And then if you notice, since HGH testing came in, Peyton's performance has nosedived. <laughs> now, one could just attribute that to age, uh, catching up with him, or a series of injuries and so on. But I like to think that, you know, Peyton's an honest guy, letter of the law or kind of guy. karmic justice. Yeah, or karmic justice, that's true. <laughs> uh, Peyton is an honest letter of the law kind of guy, so, you know, he'll do it while it's, while it's technically legal, and then when it's not, he'll stop doing it, and that's why his performance is tanked. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes, yeah, so this will be an interesting story to follow and see how it goes. Like, it might be... It's, it does, like you're saying, strike me very much as that kind of like, we'll go quietly into the night, just kind of retire there now, Peyton, I'm sure we won't follow this up anymore. And then it'll be a story that we'll hear mention of again in five years whenever he's being put into Canton. And uh, let's go, oh, I remember that thing? Whatever came of that? Nothing came of that, so we don't need to talk about it anymore. But yeah, it is, it is kind of worrying. Just like we won't talk about that last game either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting. She's well just uh, just 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 in the sights. We mentioned before, and he's uh, he's 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 due to start this week. He is one game away from tying up the most wins as a quarterback ever. Have they confirmed that they're playing with him? Uh, they haven't confirmed it, but they've said, look, he's out. He's practiced. He's ready to go. Um, they like, confirmed to be in the active roster. Yeah. The thing is, even if they don't play him properly, like they'll probably put him out there for the first series because if they put him out for the first series, it counts towards his thing. Like as you said. Peyton Manning, if nothing else, is a man who likes his, his, his awards and his, his, his records. So I think he's going to be very vocal on wanting to at least start this game to get a chance at it. Um, it'd be hilarious if they lost. It's so funny if they lost. It's um, actually a tricky, little bit of a tricky spot for Denver because um, if this decision was happening last week, it would have been a no-brainer to start Peyton after mm-hmm. Oswald's performance. But we've seen yeah. probably his best one so far. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what that how long they start Peyton for if they do. Yeah, and now, speaking of that, that's interesting. I suppose it's time to move to the games for next week. So we're going to quickly fly through five games this week. Uh, so we've got two good, two dumpster fire, and one in the neutral zone. Uh, we'll kick off with your boys, Harry. New England at New York Jets, 20-26 to in overtime. Uh, it was an okay game, not fantastic on either side. I suppose we could have expected that the New England wouldn't be as focused as they might be given that there is a lot going on that would make this have less impact on their end point than it possibly should. Interesting decision though at the end. They decided once they got to overtime that they wanted to kick the ball rather than put it in the hands of, of Tom Brady. But not even that. They did that incorrectly in that they said rather than... Because they wanted to pick the side they defended, that they defended uh, from. Instead of picking that as we want to kick it which then meant the other guys you'd say we... But we'll receive it going this way. They got to pick the side they wanted as well. It was a very, very strange decision that resulted in a you know, a loss for New England. What were your thoughts on the game? Well, first, I like the way you said we'll kick off with that game. I think that was a very pointed choice of words given <laughs> uh, given what went down. Well, yeah. happens to include it was a coin flip game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously wasn't our you done goofed. <laughs> wasn't wasn't our best performance. It took us uh, took us a while to get into the game, and then when we did, we were able to able to pull it back. But it was just one of those. Games that we see every now and again where New England just struggle against the Jets team that often has a lot more to play for and is a lot more motivated for the game. Uh, New England obviously still coming in extremely beaten up on the back end. The corners looked out of sorts for most of the game, uh, particularly against uh, Brandon Marshall's physical physical presence. 
But uh, and our, our offense, our running game was just just non-existent, and that hasn't been a problem in the past. But again, you can see where the lack of receivers is now hurting because when you need to turn to that run game against a team like the Jets, who are superb against the run, it all just went to pieces. And I don't think having Legarrette Blunt would have made any difference, to be honest, in that situation because that isn't the kind of game that he he excels in. So a little bit, little bit concerning to see that happening, and again, sort of emphasising the importance of getting, uh, getting Edelman and so on back. Yeah, what happened in overtime was really, really strange. And we've seen Belichick make odd calls in overtime before, but they've usually been in situations where the weather can justify trying, trying to take the wind. Uh, this wasn't really one of those games. So there was obviously some kind of enormous miscommunication as to what was going to happen. If you look at the the sort of the replay of, of the uh, the coin flip and the call, Slater just basically has a brain fart where the ref says, you want to kick, and he says, we want to kick that way, obviously trying to pick the side, but just repeating what he's heard, which is, is disappointing the guy who's obviously a, a veteran, has been done this dozens of times as a special teams captain, as a team captain, but... Very special. Yeah, well, you know, it, it happens. It's, it's, it's forgivable. Unfortunately, it wasn't in a game that matters a huge amount, although it was one where we could have obviously locked up, uh, locked up that home field. Uh, it also was disappointing that it happened against the Jets, but it was it was really weird because you could see at that point that everyone was confused. Belichick's come out and said the decision to kick the ball away was his decision. Now, is that just covering for a mess up or is that his decision? It's really hard to tell with him because, again, we have seen him make that decision before. Yeah, that he's also not the guy who throws players under the bus, particularly a guy like Slater who like had that not might well have been cut from the team, but he's a extremely important special teams player. But, yeah, no, really weird decision, I suppose, probably on the basis of the fact that the Jets had struggled to move the ball before the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So you could sort of see the tactical thing, but in a way it was just Belichick being unpredictable and weird in the way that he often is, and sometimes it just it just doesn't work out, and this time it just didn't work out. The Jets came out, and Fitzpatrick led a fantastic drive, and, yeah, got yeah, a hand at him. That's a big one. Now, so the Jets were up by quite a distance in this game, and then allowed the allowed the, the, the Patriots right back in. Now, Harry's already said that it was a scenario of then kind of getting back into the game and kind of finding their rhythm a little bit more. But like, this is a big win for the Jets. This puts them in prime position to take the uh, to the sixth seed in the uh, in the in the AFC. Uh, let's let's be honest about this. Like this is a career year for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They've got the probably the best wide receiver duo at the moment in the NFL. Statistically, they're miles ahead of everyone else. Is this a is this a team that's going to cause a bit of damage possibly in the uh, in the playoffs? Like uh, I've said it before, I think the Jets are a team that look dangerous. Uh, as you mentioned, like Ryan Fitzpatrick having a great season under Chan Gailey, who he's traditionally been like his like perfect like his horse whisperer. It's like good Fitzpatrick, <laughs> good. But and obviously like and obviously there's been talk about it. Like he's obviously a free agent at the end of the season, and he a lot of people say basically he should just stay there because that's the perfect situation for him. Mm. Two big uh, wide receivers and now Eric Decker. And Brandon Marshall, who you can just throw it up to, and in an offense that suits you, as long as they bring a good running back next year, uh, who doesn't break down like Chris Ivory. The, the story, like in this game, for most of the game, was basically that uh, the offensive line for the Patriots couldn't really hold back uh, a New York Jets uh, defensive front, which did a lot of good stuff. And the Jets, under Todd Bowles, uh, as he's traditionally known, is a very kind of blitz heavy team, mm-hmm. uh, except it does it properly, unlike Rex Ryan. It's like not some like, stupid exotic blitz, it's just like, yeah, just send all the guys and just like. Crush him. Uh, <laughs> See so, him run before you and hear the lamentations of his women. <laughs> so yeah, like like obviously there was an injury to Vollmer, uh, which might have contributed to that. But the, and the Patriots' O line has been an issue of like a lot of people coming in and out. There was like rumors earlier in the season about oh yeah they've discovered the secret to having a rotating O line and it works perfectly. Uh, not, so <laughs> not so much, but yeah, like I think like that defensive front and obviously they have Revis in the back though the like the rest of the secondary. Uh, has some question marks like with that defensive front 
Uh, I think that they have a chance to like take on these like like there aren't even that many high octane teams. But if the high the most high octane team is New England in terms of offensive uh, powerhouse. Uh, so if they can do this against New England, then you can expect that they can do some pretty good things against some of the lesser lights that we can expect in the AFC quarterback okay. race. Like if you think that the likely scenario will be that this Jets team will play either the Bengals or the Broncos, depending on how the games go this week. If they win that game, they're playing the, they're playing New England again. Like, and this is a this is a this is a dangerous team that does some some interesting bits now. I think I think obviously New England would be more up for a game at that point. They'd have some of their injury players back but like this is a, this is a team that'd be a little bit worrying uh, to meet in the in the postseason so we're gonna move on to the second game now the uh, Cincinnati at Denver game again an overtime game just a mad for the overtime aren't they just the extra extra advertising time it's all a fix NFL's a fix uh, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly allegedly uh, <laughs> these games are all HGH so 17 to 20 in overtime Cincinnati at Denver uh, Cincinnati got out to a lead quite a nice lead uh do you think they were up by about 14 points? Uh, yeah. We were kicking seven shades out of the boys. And then all of a sudden, Denver decide, let's play some football. Back in this game. So they tied up the game at 17 apiece. I believe there was a missed field goal or two in this as well. Yeah, there was a missed field goal just before half-time by Cincinnati, which would have done 17-0 up. That was a big miss, and that then allowed Denver to go go down the other side and get like a few points before half-time. I think that was just a field goal, but like that, that had a lot. Of, that was quite important psychologically to take it from a, a two-score game to a three-score game would have been a massive. I think it would have probably made a, a fairly big difference for what had been a pretty overwhelming Cincinnati uh, performance in the first half. Like it was kind of, I know it's a cliche, but it was a game of two halves in the first half. Cincinnati basically they ran like one-on-one man coverage on AJ Green. And if you do that, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like obviously, Denver's cornerbacks uh, are are, so, are very highly rated to leave and Harris, but obviously, sometimes there's just a better wide receiver out there that you, you really should just have something someone else covering them. Yeah, so basically, it's kind of very simple, like to the sideline throws uh, from AJ McCarron kind of got them up to that lead. But in the second in the second half, Denver went to zone defense and the swarming defense then really got into them and started mixing them up. And on the Denver side, we saw some up-tempo uh, football from uh, Brock Osweiler, kind of Peyton Manning-esque, uh, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like like for Cincinnati, it's kind of worrying uh, to see that a relatively simple change from man to zone has such a negative effect on on AJ McCarron, especially because there's so many good defenses in this AFC uh, playoff hunt. Yeah, no, of course. Um, this is a game that probably should have been locked up a little bit earlier. Again, similar to the last one, Cincinnati were ahead by quite a distance and they just couldn't finish it out. What do you make of this, Harry? Because these are two teams that are playoff bound. It's a difficult situation for Cincinnati. I think this sort of emphasises the need to get Andy Dalton back. Jay McCarron looked fine. I think he's probably looked better than people expect him to this season. He is limited in what he can do. He just, even from college, he had that reputation of being a game manager. I think there is an aspect of that. But the problem is, is, it's a step up from managing games to college to managing games in the NFL. And it's going to take time to make that adjustment. And clearly he hasn't yet. And that's, you know, that's to be expected. Particularly against an extremely good defense in what, in what Denver have to offer. So you do worry, like, when they get to the playoffs and they run into a tough, uh, tough defense, even if, and it could well be the New York Jets in the first round, that could be a problem for them. Again, a team that's got a swarming front seven has a relatively capable secondary, although probably at this stage not as good as um, Denver's is. That's the, the issue there. And it's like the offense is, particularly with Tyler Eifert out now, extremely reliant on AJ Green. And we saw that, that when they're able to basically get a guy over the top and take Green away, 
Cincinnati struggle to find their other receivers because while they do have some nice bits and pieces, you do still need more than one really good guy to make it work against against a tough defense. From Denver's perspective, there are still problems. Obviously, in the first half, we saw the problems we've had in the second half in previous games that they just couldn't move the ball. But for the first time, we actually saw them adapt positively after the break and make the changes. It'll be interesting again to see if that will work week on week. Um, perhaps an element of it was just... You know, they made the adjustments and Cincinnati just could not adjust to the way they were playing because the Bengals do generally have quite a talented defense. But there was there was also, Cincinnati, there was some concern there because there were a few missed tackles and so on and the Denver run game was actually able to get going a bit. And uh, slight concerns there for both teams. But I think, firstly, positive Denver, they won the game. They came from behind to win the game. They showed toughness. They showed that they can mix it up a bit and they can trust Osweiler to do a little bit more than they were trusting him to do beforehand, just like humping the ball deep, basically. Mm. And for Cincinnati, you know, while they did lose and while they did struggle once Green was taken away, they did show that McCarron can get them places in tough games. So the question is now, again, similar to what happened with Osweiler, where it's like, okay, we'll trust him to do something different. Can they trust McCarron to do something different if Dalton doesn't come back? And can they trust him to uh, close out games and win games against good opponents and that's going to be critical to see how this team progresses in the playoffs yeah no, of, of course, course. there's question marks about whether McCarron will even be available oh, oh that's true yeah actually Stephen Wenning to be fair McCarron's thing is only going to be a one Wedding. week <laughs> McCarron's thing is, only, is probably only going to be a one week thing yeah. if, if he misses it at all so mm-hmm. when the playoffs roll around Hopefully, for Cincinnati's sake, they will have <laughs> one of their other quarterbacks back. Although, who knows? Maybe this winning kid is going to be amazing. Although, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not sure two years on the uh, Baltimore Ravens practice squad have necessarily no, no. steeled you for uh, well, starting in the playoffs. On, on the plus side, it might be a scenario where he gets himself a little bit of a uh, little bit of a uh, revenge on the team that never started, and given this Baltimore they played this week. Mm-hmm. My, my takeaway is I agree with most of what you guys are saying. The other thing for me is I was looking at this and I was thinking, obviously midway through the season we're looking at these two thing, two two teams as massive powerhouses. I'm not in any way worried about ever like of even the Chiefs having to play these guys in the playoffs now. It's like these are these are teams with flaws that can be exploited and this was an indication of where those limitations are for some of them as well. I think we're gonna have a very interesting uh, interesting playoff games. A lot more balanced than I probably initially thought they were going to be. Um yeah like pretty much everyone's stuttering into the playoffs yeah. except for you guys for except for Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but flying in at great speed beating the Browns by two points <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, so we'll swing on to the neutral zone game we, uh, we'll, we'll try and power through the next few of these now um, so we've got Carolina at Atlanta uh, Carolina losing their undefeated record to a fucking terrible team in the Falcons who for some reason just turned up and were like do you know what let's, let's show people we remember how to football football is this but they seem to have forgotten from most of the rest of the season they won in a 13-20 to 20 okay game uh, I'm not gonna say great game. Uh, it was not. It was very good from the perspective of the Falcons, I think, especially Michael Parsons' rest of their season. <laughs> and it was not very good at all from the Carolina, especially Michael Parsons, the rest of their season. Roman, what, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, like it was definitely a case where Carolina kind of played down to their opposition, and they just they just seemed a little bit like off. Uh, and they just made a few like, pretty bad mistakes. Like they put Josh Norman one on one with Julio Jones, and again we see that Josh Norman got blasted by Julio Jones effectively, especially on one very long reception where basically caught it over his head <laughs> and this? made him look pretty foolish. What's the difference between Odell Beckham and Julio Jones? Julio Jones had to throw a fucking punch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like it was just like one of those cases where. Uh, they didn't shut down Atlanta at least as much as, as as easily as teams have shut down Atlanta this season and they kind of let Julio Jones go wild and Devonta Freeman has come back and it's, it's looking so like at least you know somewhat like his early season form but I think on the offensive side for Carolina 
Uh, Cam Newton just, I think it's like it goes back to like what we kind of saw last year, or like a little bit of regression in terms of he's trying to do too much. With Jonathan Stewart out, it kind of seemed that he wanted to take on the entire game plan himself. Not entirely unjustifiably, considering that like Fozzie Whitaker and Arthur Kane aren't exactly uh, powerhouse backs by any means. They actually both sound like Muppet characters. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously that, uh, we, we've discussed the wide receiver core before, like Ted Ginn. He's had a renaissance, but he's still not a, a number one wide receiver. So it was definitely just that kind of sense that Cam Newton held onto the ball too long, kind of seemed to be trying to make something from nothing, rather than just kind of doing the efficient game planning that he's been allowed to do. Uh, and it just kind of fell apart for him in the end. Uh, it was a very tough game. Yeah, no, of course. And obviously, this, this ends the undefeated streak for Carolina. It's no 16 and 0, perfect season stuff. Like, what's your take on this? I know we've heard different people say, like, oh, it's very. It's one, one set of said, oh, it would be very good if they can go with the momentum of the 16 and 0 going into it. There's another one who said, be great to the pressure release foul. They don't have to worry about that. They can just chill and focus on just winning games. Like, I'm generally essentially agnostic. This is like, look, if they went 16 and 0, that'd be pretty cool. If they don't go 16 0, they're still a really good team. They could probably do the playoffs either way. What's your take on that, Safari? I think there's no definitive answer. I think it's up to how the coaching staff are able to make it work and how the players themselves and the sort of captains and leaders in the locker room from the players' side mm. are able to motivate everybody else and able to make it for them. Like, I mean, ultimately, when it comes to like those sort of nebulous concepts like motivation and whatever, it's what you make of your own situation. While 16 0 has its very obvious way of motivating a team. This certainly isn't isn't a disaster. They're still going to the playoffs. They're still probably going to have home field. It's you know it's not doesn't have to be crushing. And there's certainly I think they've got enough sort of heads in there that can sort of work around that and be like, okay, so look, that's fine. The pressure's off now. They're probably going to be able to rest some of the players next week, which you know might be a good thing, might not be a good thing. We've discussed this earlier, but again, it depends how they let that uh, basically what they let this mean for them. The concern is, of course, that it being a loss to Atlanta in a divisional game does perhaps make it, I think, a little more impactful than it might have been otherwise. But again, that's just that. A lot of that is is sort of speculation on on the psychology of a locker room. We don't get very many good insights into the psychology of the locker room, although we have had a few peaks at the Panthers this year, and they seem like they seem like a cool bunch of guys who are having fun. So hopefully, yeah. this won't. Uh, Taking, won't, taking won't, selfies won't and dabbing on the sidelines. Absolutely, or just Greg Olson being white and awkward, which is great. Like. Actually, did, did, did you see that? It's fantastic. I think we've now got the final death knell on dabbing. It might stop now. There's a fantastic video doing the round because the Chiefs obviously wrapped up a playoff spot uh, this, <laughs> this week on. The video of Andy Reid dabbing in the Andy locker room. Reed, like, a big, fat, old, white guy dabbing. Like If that doesn't end it for the kids, I don't know what will. Like How do they get him to do it? Do they like, strap a barbecue rib to each of his yeah. biceps? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought when kickers started doing it would stop. But. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was... <laughs> that was... It was quite funny. Yeah, so move on to the dumpster fireside chats then, I suppose. We've got two we're going to have a quick look at today, and I mean quick, these are ugh, horrible games. Indianapolis at Miami. We warned you not to watch this one. Uh, 18 to 12. Um, yeah. This was, this was, again, proof that maybe we should have a tiered system and take some of these teams out of the NFL, put them into their own side tournament instead. What do we make of this one, guys? Did you have fun watching this? Yes. <laughs> I am a masochist. While I was tied upside down to a cross, being whipped by a swarthy Turkish man, is that how you, this how really you, added to the whole experience. Is that how you do Christmas? Yes, yeah, Jewish Christmas. <laughs> She's Christmas tied upside down to a cross, being whipped by a Turkish man. Yeah, absolutely. This, 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 this just made the experience even more degrading than it was otherwise <laughs> having to watch this game. <laughs> No, it was it was it was poor. I think we all expect it to be poor. You know, the team with that tiny something to play for mm-hmm. uh, turned out to be a little more motivated than the team that is just taking the football field 
and just wondering when it can go home, essentially, at this point. Miami has just descended after a brief false dawn into absolute sadness. And this was another game, because talent-wise, there is, like, if you look at it in terms of, you know... Rosters. Roster. There's no way Miami should lose this game. But they did, because they just were completely feckless. And Ryan Tannehill's confidence is shot to pieces. Absolutely shot. And they need to, whoever they get in next season... They need to get a coach who can who can turn that guy around because Tannehill isn't going to be a world beater, but we've seen him be capable of being a perfectly good quarterback. Yeah, it, it, the way he's playing right now is is it's a disaster. Yeah, no, of course, obviously there's fair fair couple of injuries knocking around on both these teams. It's probably affected their ability to play football. That's that's being favorable and giving them an excuse for what they produced. But it was just sadness to watch. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it was just Miami were just a calamity of errors in like the first half. Like giveaway, Ryan Tannehill putting up another safety. <laughs> yeah, like competing with Brian Hoyer they for the saddest be, streak in football. They have to be betting on themselves for that Sorry. at this point. Like they have to be being like, here, look, here's twenty grand. Put it on the put it on the Dolphins to get another safety there. <laughs> like and then just doing them on purpose because like this is ridiculous. Was this a fifth or sixth one this year or something? Uh, yeah, I believe because so. there was a streak of three weeks yeah. in a row. I think it's, yeah, I think it's five on the season. Which yeah. is, if that isn't the record, that's got to tie it. Yeah, like that's like three in a row is uh, you know it's kind mm. of going up to a match up, like oh, yeah, so sure. six kind of <laughs> rebels of yeah. sadness, and then Indianapolis just did enough based on those early games to kind of like wear the game out. Uh, like Frank Gore put up a few good runs. Yeah, it was a decent game this time around. Old, yeah, old it, it was Frank kind of surprising, uh, but like it was helped by Miami's atrocious, atrocious tackling in in the in the secondary. Um, so yeah, and then Miami had a chance to win it in like with the last plays of the game, and then Ryan Tannehill just like derped away like four chances to score a touchdown. Uh, kind of, an, it just seemed kind of inevitable at that point. So yeah, this is this kind of game where Indianapolis got some luck early on uh, with some with a Frank Gore touchdown and a safety and other things like that, and just managed to basically okay, we're just going to sit in this game, and Miami uh, they, they seem to want to be sat on. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. There's your masochism again, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just not worth our time. Nor is the, is the second game we're going to look at in the dumpster fireside chat. Dallas at Buffalo, 6-16. Six Why? Why? Yeah, genuine question. Buffalo, like, so much for this kind of powerhouse, oh, we're going to change up our division thing. Like, Buffalo essentially nearly lost this game to, like, what was it? Uh, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore-led Dallas team, who... Look at Trush, like they've now Dallas have now put uh, put Bryant on uh, on IR and sent him off for surgery. They're, they they've given up on the season. It's nice to see they've eventually accepted that it's that it's done. I did like actually just just in the side. You see Brandon Whedon's comments uh, this week. No, Brandon Whedon went out and blasted. And he said, "Ah, oh, I'm so happy that we're going to the playoffs, and Jerry Jones going to be watching them on his couch." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so six to sixteen. Uh, was there anything of note in this game, either of you? Uh, both uh, Carlos Williams and Mike Dilsey looked quite good admittedly against the Dallas defense that could not care less but um, that's an interesting backfield situation I think to watch in, in Buffalo because obviously they're paying Shady McCoy and he's you know obviously got the history and past performance behind him he hasn't had a bad year by all accounts though perhaps not up to not up to his best standard mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see two younger guys really developing in that backfield and that's going to be just interesting to see what Buffalo do with that talent going forward that's uh, yeah. Other than that, yeah, nothing. Nothing new emerged other than that. No, no, actually, yeah. Dallas are sad. Calamore yeah, can't play it's football. Just, 
yeah, it's just so surprising to see a Buffalo offense that has so many good pieces just failing to get the actual points on the on the board. Yeah, like yeah. you know, in Tyron Taylor, they kind of feel that they have someone who can definitely grow into being a franchise quarterback. They have a they have a bona fide like wide number one wide receiver in Sammy Watkins. They have, as you say, a stacked like running back committee. They have all the pieces to be like offensively very good, but they're just not. And obviously. Uh, so that blade probably has to go with the head coach, uh, but we probably discussed sexy Rexy a little bit. Yeah, uh, enough uh, for this podcast alone. Yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, basically a game to avoid at all costs, all costs at all. Cut off your own leg if it means you don't have to watch this game. Yeah, so we're gonna move on to uh, some questions from the listeners. So uh, we've got one question in this week. We covered all, we had a lot of questions about the playoffs, but we kind of said we're covering off a playoff section, so we won't do individual questions about that. Apart from Yes, the Chiefs are awesome. Yes, the Seahawks look like they're in good form going into the uh, into the postseason. And uh, no, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that the Jets are making it. Uh, there's a couple of other ones, but I'm just like I'm not answering. They're like, why didn't the Browns make it? Maths, maths is why the Browns <laughs> don't make it. But yeah, the question we're going to deal with comes in from Tosi this week. What happens to RG three next season? Who gives him a shot? So obviously, we had a brief mention of this earlier on. This is a this week seventeen game. Again, it doesn't matter for Washington. There, uh, they're in already. I I'm aware of the problem that if if RG three goes in and gets injured, then they have to pay him like sixteen million or something for the following year. I don't really think there's a huge chance of him getting injured. Although he is like he has <laughs> his RG three. He does have a bad record of week seventeens. Um, but. I think they're going to be looking at trying to trying to trade him rather than just purely cut him, see if they can get anything for him. Because this is a chap that they've invested, what, like two first rounds, two second rounds or something in. Uh, like a lot of money and a lot of pain and fired coordinators slash coaches. Where do we see him landing next season? Or do we see him landing at all? It's difficult to know because... Like you say, they probably do want to trade him and try and scrape something back out of that. They've gone out of their way to torpedo his value this season. Mm. Like it hasn't just been a case of oh they've relegated him to backup. Like they have basically as a team about we could not have less faith in this guy if we had tried. And they did try. They tried very, very hard to show that they did not have any faith in, in, in RG3. And that's the problem now when you're looking to trade him, being like, well, hang on, you made this guy play safety on the scout team. Why should we give you anything for him? He's not worth anything to you. Why he should spent, he be worth anything to us? He spent an entire year learning how defences work. <laughs> <laughs> that That is... I don't think that's going to fly. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe if Cleveland come knocking on <laughs> they seem they seem like they might fall for that. So yeah, like they might be in a situation where because of the money situation, they might just have to just take the hit and cut him if they yeah. can't get, if they can't trade him and just try and take the short term hit and free up some space. But if we, if so we, if we see, given like, either I can scenarios, be it either someone trades for them for like for well, we'll just take your last pick, your seventh rounder or whatever, maybe a conversation you have or something. Uh, or he just gets cut and he's sitting there and he's available on the street. Where do you think would actually look at him? I think somebody somebody will take a look at him because for all the problems and whatever, like you do still have a lot of talent there. And I can see somebody because I mean you look at I know obviously different players and perhaps different levels of talent potentially uh, in RGC's favour. Look how long Tim Tebow stuck around because people were like intrigued and they were like, ah, oh, look, we'll give this guy a shot. Um, and even there's a guy with a huge, you would say, oh, you know, the personal problems with RG3. It's like Tebow was a guy with a huge media circus that brought all this unwarranted pressure on teams and teams still kept giving him shots just to see if they could make anything out of it. So I think RG3 will find himself in a similar situation. Mm. It's difficult to say what team would go for him because you're looking at a combination of A, an offence that suits him or a team in the middle of a rebuilding project that's going to be changing its offence 
but also a team that is a little bit stuck in that regard. The one thing that jumps to mind for me, and this might be a little bit out there, is San Francisco. Because I think they're going to be looking at a situation where they've had an offense that does rely on quarterback mobility, even with Blaine Gabbard. The offense has still needed his mobility at times. Given that they're probably going to be getting rid of Kaepernick, it's like, okay, so we've got one guy who didn't work out, whatever. Bring in a similar guy who, if we pick him up as a free agent, I don't think they'll trade for him, but if he gets cut, pick him up as a free agent will be significantly cheaper than whatever we were investing in Kaepernick. Give him a go during the preseason. If it doesn't work out, just cut him again. Yeah. See, the problem is, I look at 40 yards and I think like they've got a high enough pick. I think they're going quarterback in the first round. I, yeah, but I don't think there is a quarterback you can take there that's I, going to start. And you're always going to need a third guy. Like. I, think, I think there's two or three. I think my problem with that kind of placement is that they've had a problem dealing with a mobile quarterback who has accuracy issues and is more of a me first kind of guy in Kaepernick. Like I think they. I don't. I think the exact same problems that are true of Kaepernick are true of RG3 and even to a worse extent because he has all the all the failings of Kaepernick of not being that accurate of kind of running a little bit too much of kind of putting himself at risk but then the other thing is he's also injured himself and made himself less effective at the one thing that he shouldn't be doing that he does too much yeah, of. The Kaepernick thing I think the one thing there is I think the Kaepernick thing did work for them for a period of time so I think there's always going to be an attractiveness to something that was able to do well like oh if we just change the guy now I'm not saying he'd be a starter but I can see the attitude of being if we just change the guy maybe we can have the thing that worked for us before to go back and they are also going to have to change the style because they don't know what style of offense they're going to be running in there next yeah. season realistically so you bring in a guy who has a different option and see how that works out I don't, I, it's a preseason thing it's a preseason like, move the, the, the section of success they had with it was like in the kind of like the two month period when people are like oh god what would we do with all these moving option quarterbacks and then they're like just hit them the fuck in the face I never said San Fran was smart <laughs> yeah like the myth of RG3 hasn't been completely busted yet because you could still theoretically blame the situation that he got into there albeit a lot of it was like self-created but he was a young player he got the owner was like very much into him and they got you know, they got up to some bad stuff and then you know got a coach fired and then a new coach is like I don't want to get fired for this guy but like I think for me RG3 sounds like more like a vanity project type of player like mm. a, a, like a team which is known for just getting players who will, like, generate news. So, like, someone like Rex Ryan, someone <laughs> like the Cowboys in Jera. Like, those are the type of teams that I see trying the initial orgy tree plunge. I think, like, in my honest opinion, I don't think that will work out. And then the season after, we might see him show up on teams which actually will be interested in seeing what they have there. Mm. Like, he, he, like, you know, the way the Patriots eventually pick up all these players and give them <laughs> once over and then dismiss them, like, like Tim Tebow. So, yeah, for me, this year, he'll get a vanity project team. Uh, it'll be like, oh, we, we could fix him. Oh, he's so good. I can already see Jerry Jones talking about, oh, yeah, he's got the best arm since... I don't know, Joe Montana. Joe, Joe Montana. Joe Montana spliced with Troy Aikman. It was great. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, like for me, that's what we'll probably see this season. Uh, it'll be the season after, if, if he still if he sticks around, that he might actually get a chance to stay in a backup role and actually learn how to play the game. The other the other thing I see with this as well is, like, obviously he's got a bit of a reputation for being a locker room cancer uh, and being a terrible like person to have to deal with uh, from, from a coaching perspective. A lot of the teams who would be poor enough to want to kind of completely blow it up and get new quarterbacks and stuff like that a lot of them are also going to be looking at new coaches this uh, this season and I don't think a new coach is going to look at this guy who 
has been like famously terrible to deal with in the locker room, not like most people. Do you remember that period of a, of a year where the O-line wouldn't help him up whenever he got hit? Like, this guy is not well-liked at all. He's gotten coaches fired already. He goes to the media and shoots his mouth off the whole time. The organisation who have who are paying like 50 million have him playing like <laughs> the scout team safety. Like, if I'm a new coach, this is not the guy I want my, my people bringing in and being like... Here's here's your guy, man. Even as a backup, here's your guy. I think it has to be someone who's a bit more established, and I think a lot of them are going to be wary of him. I think he will land somewhere, but like bizarrely, I think I think he might not be a million miles off on Buffalo. Obviously, they'll they'll embrace the the crazy, uh, given that it's Rex. But also like him as kind of like a I can move around. I'm a bit of a scrambler thing. Works as a backup to what Tyrod Taylor is doing because he is essentially a backup Tyrod Taylor. But if Tyrod Taylor goes down. I presume RG3 could probably play a similar playbook to, to, to what he was doing. He'll find somewhere much quicker as a free agent, as Harry said, than uh, he would if he was you know, carrying a whatever $16 million <laughs> prize tag. Fun times. Uh, so yeah, Tussie, he'll land somewhere, and as Fitz has said, probably not where he will end up long-term, but maybe a one-year vanity project next year. Uh, and I suppose we'll go and move on to the picks for next week. So, for this week, we found that we have uh, all, only two games that we disagree on. So, we are going to uh, fly through the ones that we agree on, but uh, we thought that's a bit boring. We're all too much the same. And also, to be honest, we get so many of these wrong. That will be much more enjoyable if instead we tell you what the consensus pick is, and then we have one of the guys explain why uh, there's going to be an upset and we're all going to look like idiots. So, we'll kick off with uh, Harrison. We've got Jacksonville at Houston. We've all taken Houston. Why are we wrong? Because the Colts must make the playoffs, because that would be the funniest situation in the <laughs> AFC South. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. We've all taken Pittsburgh. Why are the Browns going to win? Because I still believe in Johnny football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New York Jets at Buffalo. Uh, we've all taken the Jets. Uh, to be honest, uh, Rex Ryan is such a balanced and even-handed coach. I think he'll be able to figure out. No, no. Shit happens. Shit can be weird. Buffalo... Can play terrible one week and play really good the next week, and it'll just be such a jetsy thing to shoot themselves in the foot and not make the playoffs at this point. Harry, you England at Miami. <laughs> Why are Miami suddenly going to turn up and beat New England? Because having run out of other people to troll, Bill Belichick has resorted to trolling his own team. Fair enough. Tennessee at Indianapolis. We've all taken Indianapolis. Uh, why Tennessee? Stephen Morris, Josh Freeman, <laughs> whoever. Yeah, Indianapolis quarterback X. Yeah, not good. <laughs> but certainly, that's one that I think is actually going to be relatively close game. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be terrible, but it'll be close. Uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Oh god, um, we've all taken Cincinnati. Uh, the reason Baltimore are going to win is they keep the shit out of the Steelers last week. They show they can show up for games, especially in division games. So maybe they just decide they want to play a bit of spoiler here. Steve <laughs> Wedding. Uh, Steve Wedding, yeah. Wedding, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, third string quarterback. There we go. There's a real reason. Third string quarterback. We've got the Washington Pale Faces at Dallas. We've all taken the Pale Faces. Why Harry with Dallas? Now, I don't want to know, know if you guys are aware of the history of the war of how the West was won in America. But ultimately, the Cowboys <laughs> the Indian. <laughs> uh, New Orleans at Atlanta. We've all taken New Orleans. Why will Atlanta rise up? Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman, if they play well, Atlanta have a chance. Detroit at Chicago, we've all taken Chicago. Why would Detroit win? Uh, they've got a coach called Jim Bob Cooter. That's a far <laughs> better name. 
Yeah, also, Detroit are so bad that they will fail at getting a decent draft pick and will pick up a win here just to screw themselves over for next year. Philly at New York Giants. We've all taken the New York Giants in this game. Uh, why will Philly win? Because New York are the most inconsistent team in the league. And having got rid of Chip Kelly, Philly will have exposed all of their problems. Pat Shermer will lead them to a glorious, glorious victory. And nobody will watch this game. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, St. Louis at San Francisco. We've all taken St. Louis. Why are we wrong, Ronan? Because St. Louis are actually the most inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) St. Louis, they love to win big and then lose against dirt teams. Mm. So they beat the Seahawks and they inevitably lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Fair enough. Oh, God, Tampa Bay at Carolina. We've all taken Carolina. Um, The reason we're incorrect on this one... I know, Carolina finally lost the game. They're like, oh, I remember you, old friend. Uh, <laughs> and start to lose a few more, maybe. They rest some starters, possibly. O- Oakland at Kansas City. We've all taken Kansas City. Why are the Raiders going to win? Andy Reid took everybody out for a giant barbecue, and they're all going to be completely bloated. Yeah, that's true. You know, actually, Andy Reid's a little bit skinnier than he was before. Yeah, right? he hasn't actually lost weight, doesn't he? It's bizarre, given that he's he moved to the home of barbecue. Yeah, but to be fair, like before, I think he was just eating cheese. Yeah, just <laughs> cheese steak. Yeah. Yeah, canned cheese on beef, like. That's not a healthy diet either. What? That's not a healthy diet? Oh, I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) San Diego at Denver. We've all taken Denver. Why will the Superchargers win? San Diego occasionally have those surprising games. They did against you, had that surprising game. There was the very close spot game. Uh, but she went down to the last play against Kansas City. Yeah, same thing happened with the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, but yeah, like if you have Philip Rivers, you you always have some form of chance. And you know Brock Osweiler still, or Peyton Manning slash Brock Osweiler are both massive question marks mm. still to my eye. Fair enough. So I've got two that we disagree on. We we'll go back to normal format on these ones. That's Seattle and Arizona. Uh, I've taken Arizona. Harry has taken Arizona, and Fitz, uh, as one would expect, has taken the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so suppose Harry, why Arizona? I feel at this point that Arizona have still do have a better roster than Seattle and are still probably playing better than Seattle are. And B, I think, have a bit more to play for in this scenario. Seattle are pretty much set where they are at this stage. Whereas Arizona, this is a chance to catch Carolina. As we said earlier, this could all change the time zones. Both teams could turn up and just not give a monkeys. But I don't think Bruce Aarons is the kind of guy who will ever let his team take their foot off the gas like he is as we've seen this season the team keeps going keeps going keeps going I think the final game of the season will be no different for Seattle I think things are a bit, a little bit weird at the moment we saw the run game absolutely implode last week um, and again they're going to be going up against a pretty tough defence which is going to be able to uh, shut that down so again it all comes down to Russell Wilson and while he can certainly do that and take the game on himself We've also seen times where he can't. So I think there's just a bit of a question mark there about what's actually going to happen in terms of the offensive game plan for uh, Seattle that doesn't exist to the same extent for an Arizona, the Arizona team. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like I would agree with a lot of that. But like, in terms of the uncertainty over playoff implications, Arizona will know before the game whether they have something to play for or not because Carolina play in the early afternoon while the Minnesota G Green Bay game has been flexed into the late into the Sunday night football oh, right. spot. So... Uh, like they won't know what's happening so there is a chance that the Seahawks will have something to play for theoretically while the Arizona won't but I think in terms of like like last week I would say it's the Rams <laughs> like, just, like, wipe that out put that away and I think like Seattle like they've only won two division games this season against uh, San Francisco both times so I think they'll be pretty motivated to the of the NFC West 
like Arizona I've called this a statement game but I think for the Seahawks this is very much a statement game to kind of say like we're here and we want to like make you aware that we're not going to get pushed around for you uh, after that pretty strong statement there and we would like to make you aware that we will not be pushed around <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind me saying and obviously Seattle are a very talented team as we've seen over the like the back half of the season you know it's going to be very close should be a fun game but uh I'll get the Hubbard pick and pick Seattle. Oh yeah, like, I'll be watching this game. This is going to be a good one. Basically, I think Seattle are good. They're in good form. They're going to do quite well. We said this when we were discussing the playoffs last week. I think Arizona are a better top-to-bottom team. I think they're explosive. I think we saw last week exactly what they can do against like good teams as well. I put good in inverted commas here. Uh, considered good teams. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I think they're... I think they're Firing on all cylinders going into the into the playoffs, they're going to want to go and keep riding that uh, that kind of momentum into the into the playoffs. And I think this is a great one as well because then they can say, "Look, not only are we coming in strong, we've beaten off two. I'm never ever going to say that again. We're not beaten off two. <laughs> we have beaten two of uh two 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 of the two of the main opponents from our section coming into this two of the two of the considered favourites kind of thing. You know, uh, so I think they're going to be motivated for it, and I think it's going to be. Important, regardless of whether or not it affects seeding, I think they're going to want to go in with a head of steam, and that's what that's going to provide. Uh, the next game that we have is Minnesota at Green Bay. Uh, this is a game where I've taken Green Bay, Fitz has taken Green Bay, and Harry has taken Minnesota. So, I suppose Fitz, why Green Bay? Yeah, like these are both two very inconsistent teams, but when you when you have a coin flip, you usually go for a the team that's at home and be the team with the better quarterback. So, like, Green Bay uh, are at home. They have Aaron Rodgers. So they have the, they're at home. They have a better quarterback. You would expect them to have the advantage in a 50-50 game. And they did win the game earlier on in the season against the Minnesota team, which just... If it doesn't get ahead and can use Adrian Peterson, it, it just looks very one-dimensional. I get what you're saying. I realise that, obviously, the game this season happened and sort of showed that Green Bay can beat Minnesota. In the, I just have no faith in Green Bay right now. Like, I think they've looked over the last few weeks actively poor in a lot of aspects and yes there's always the potential this team has the talent to step it up and I, but I think the Vikings will be a hurting after what happened like they were beaten pretty convincingly by Green Bay and they're one of the few teams beaten convincingly by Green Bay in the back half of the season and also for them this is that chance to take that division away and finally say yes another team can win this division the Minnesota Vikings can win this division I think that's sort of the, that they're probably going to be a better headspace than Green Bay who are just wobbling at the moment but also I think the, the, the blueprint to beat Green Bay is is still there and I think Minnesota can still play to that blueprint even with sort of lacking a few pieces on defense we've seen teams do it time and again just be able to shut them down and if they can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and if which they can because the O-line, Green Bay O-line is not good and if they can just sort of maintain coverage on on receivers who have generally struggled to get separation they can lock this one down and take away take away the weapons for Green Bay. So I think like Minnesota are in a stronger position right now than than Green Bay are. I think that for all of Green Bay's talent, something has just been off about them this season and will continue to be so. So I think we're going to see the Vikings in what's going to be, I think, a very competitive and closely contested game. I think we're going to see them just be able to, as you say, get ahead and then control things better than Green Bay. Fair enough. Like I, I agree. I don't think Green Bay are a great team. But my problem is I don't think Minnesota are a particularly good team either. I think their record looks a lot better than they are actually as a team. I think they're pretty one-dimensional. I've been quite open. I, I don't think Teddy Bridgewell is all that good. I know some people prefer like like him a bit more than me. Yourself included. Like, but think he's, he's he's better than I think he is anyway. Minnesota are still missing three or four of the defensive starters in this game, which is going to hurt their ability to play the kind of press man. 
type of coverage that helps them shut down Green Bay which is given that essentially it's a one dimensional thing of give Adrian Peterson the ball or throw a like seven or eight yard pass to Stefan Diggs and let him plough on from there I think that's something that the guys can shut down it's at home it's important for seeding uh, it, I, I just I just don't see Green Bay letting up on this one but yes so that's the games of this week we will be able to confirm I suppose after the games uh, the positioning the timings and the uh, the schedules for the uh, for the playoffs which will be exciting we'll be able to chat about uh, who's been fired what's your, what, what, what's your quick pick for like someone who you don't even know in the NFL but you know they're definitely going to get fired like I'm going to say the guy who scouted Dwayne Bow. <laughs> <laughs> If he's not already fired. <laughs> By the way, do you see the bit? They, they sent a Dwayne Bow in their game against the Chiefs. They sent a Dwayne Bow as a captain for the team. I think whoever's going to get fired is whoever sold Johnny Hecker his health insurance premium. <laughs> because uh, that man is trying to get killed. Jesus <laughs> knocking over Cliff Averill. Did you see that? He shoved over Cliff Averill and Averill sort of turned around and Hecker just went fetal. Yeah, he just... <laughs> and then after a pump, the same thing, um, Averill and Bennett sort of ran up and stopped about a yard away from him and Hecker just wet himself. Like. Michael Bennett and, and Cliff Averill are really people you want to you be pissing off. They're not... <laughs> They're not the nicest people. Really uh, poor life choice. By stretch of imagination. Yeah, anyone you think is going to be fired, Fitz? RG Tree's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Does he even get an assistant now he that prob- he's on the now he's on the, the practice squad as our, the the scout team? He probably hires one. I would say. Mm. Does he, a lot of money. He doesn't spare. seem like the kind of person who can really live a real life and needs people to help him. <laughs> so it depends on what kind of payday he's going to be. Because he's going to have to have like he's going to have to have a massive change in lifestyle, given that like. Say so he's guaranteed to what fifteen or sixteen million if he. No, that was only that's only guaranteed for. No, injury. no, no. Yeah, yeah. If he injures or if he's held, if he's kept on the team though, they because they, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, they cut him before that. Yeah, they cut him before that. But like, yeah, say it's cut and someone picks him up. Like no one's gonna pay that guy more than what like three million max maybe. You'd be surprised how much backup quarterbacks get paid, but yeah. Yeah, like no, no one's gonna, no one's gonna give him like a multi-year deal. It's, it's a buyer's market yeah. for RG three. Yeah. Yeah. All that uh, lovely sponsorship money. <laughs> free subways for life. He's fine. He can eat. He can eat. <laughs> well, oh. Ten years from now, RG three in a box in subway. <laughs> oh god, that's grim. I eat there and I live in one. Uh, Works. I work there too. <laughs> but no, uh, fair. So it's it's it's, uh, it's New Year's Eve. Any crack tonight, lads? I uh, going to uh, going to house party at the you know the apartment the one that always ends in devastation and desolation ah, yes. great parties until 3 o'clock in the morning and then a tsunami of feels overwhelms certain individuals and everything goes horribly horribly wrong but you have to stay around because if you don't then everyone's like oh my god did you, did you hear what happened did you see that and you're like well no I went home mm-hmm. so you kind of have to stay around for the grim part but it's always great fun until then <laughs> I'm hoping neither of the hosts listen to this I'm pretty confident they don't yeah. so <laughs> uh, what about yourself yeah just heading back to the cork and uh, meeting up a few people out there just keep it quiet so kind of adjusting back into the, the work period uh, keeping an eye out on what's the last last week last week of the season yeah big good. big deal kind of flew by as usual uh, you know the NFL knows how to have artificial scarcity and it makes every week exciting if not every game Indianapolis <laughs> Miami San Diego <laughs> Tennessee yeah Oh god! Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm in the quiet one tonight. I'm gonna have, uh, gonna gonna grab some food, grab some booze, sit back in the house and chill out. Have a nice quiet one. 
be nice. To be honest, just like New Year's Eve is a shit night out. It's always a shit night. Out. It's always good for it's good for it's good for house parties. But yeah, going out into town yeah. is is grim. And even grim. then, it's like the house party. The house parties in Dublin are like either go to the the house of fields and emotions, <laughs> or go out to like fucking way off on the north side to Tim's house. So I like, usually I usually have a New Year's party, but I'm not uh, this year. So that's uh, that's I, the I, I just very much like oh god, I'm tired and I'm lazy and I'm fat after Christmas. Like let me just sit on the couch before I start running. <laughs> Do I get anything nice for Christmas, boys? Oh, yes, fuck you, you didn't. Fuck you. Yes, you didn't. <laughs> fuck you. I actually, I actually, I actually did get a nice Christmas present from my Muslim friend. So there you oh, go. Very good. Very good. Uh, don't you get eight presents during Hanukkah? Uh, not really. No, that's sort of a American television Was thing. Your we don't. Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. Gave me the present of Peyton Manning being a drug cheat. Allegedly, that's that's it. Uh, no, no, no. And a doper in a hair tree. Yeah. So I suppose next week we will. Presumably be back to Fitz dialing in at that point. So Fitz, it's always always nice to have you here live in person. Uh, it's good fun. Uh, thanks everyone uh, for listening. Like we said, as always, drop us a line at AFQ Podcast. Find us on Facebook at slash AFQ Podcast. Probably sensing a theme here. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at AFQ Podcast at gmail.com. But yeah, just let us know how you're feeling. Let us know how you feel about your your team making it or not making it. Yeah, so just let us know what the crack is at yourself, how you find your Christmas and what you're looking forward to in the uh, in the playoffs coming up. We'll probably, for any of the Irish ones, be going out drinking and watching the stuff in town, maybe. Especially for the Saturday night games, because I think they're earlier. Uh, they're like Saturday afternoon for us, aren't they? Yeah, like, it'll be a bit of fun. Drop us a line, chat to us then, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>